wife, our Clara. We are going to the north. Sweetville, an ideal community for happy, prosperous workers. We're so very sorry for your loss. No one who ever goes to live there ever seems to come out. Deadly poison. You do seem to keep turning up like a bad telly, young man. You have no idea what you are dealing with. The Discussing Network presents Discussing Who, a Doctor Who podcast. And in this episode, we will be reviewing the story Crimson Horror. I am Kyle Jones, and I want to start by welcoming back Lee Shackelford. Lee, how are you? Okay, okay. Good. A lot of, a lot of stressors in my life right now, which I know makes me different from everybody else in the world. Right? Mm. It's a stressful time. It's a, it's a tough time. So it's good to have this oasis here. We'll come in here for... Oh, I don't know, an hour, two hours, whatever. Talk about this 45 minutes of television. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, we'll, uh, and we'll just forget all our troubles. Maybe so. you need a vacation yeah. to Sweetville. Oh, jeez. Or yeah, maybe I not. I don't think I'm, I'm not going to make the cut. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. But you know who probably would make the cut? Sure. Clarence Brown. Mr. Brown, how are you, my friend? You just want me to go stand motionless in a jar for the rest of my life? Is that what you? That's that's the future you have for me? Okay, all right. Clara mm. was in a jar. Well, if I could be with her, that would make it all worthwhile. I must admit. Mm. <laughs> or Jenny, take your pick. So, how are you? What's going on with you? <laughs> I'm doing good, man. No complaints. Um, just ready to chop it up with you guys. Well, since we last talked, our episode 250 has gone to air. And not gone to press, as I was about to say, but gone to air. And we actually have some feedback from the one and only Dave Cooper. And you know what? I naturally always say, hey, Dave Cooper, Dave Cooper, Dave Cooper. But I never mention that anyone listening can find Dave Cooper by searching for the Cultum Collective. And you can Ooh. also search for Dr. Who Podshock and listen to me and Lee and Dave, and a host of other people, not to yeah. also mention Louis Trapani, but yep. he sent some feedback and he reminds us that we missed someone in our cameos of listing who had been in a cameo. So, Lee, I'm going to point this one to you. Do you know who we missed? Well, we didn't actually call out many of them. Carolyn Ford uh, is the uh, the mom who yells out to the street, that show you wanted to watch is coming on. Yes. <laughs> and so that's great. And the parking lot attendant is William Russell. Bingo. It's Ian Chesterton. Yeah. Oh, wow. And, uh, and uh, Jacqueline Pierce, uh, God bless her, she is uh, already gone the way of all flesh. Yeah. So there was no way to get the original three back together, but uh, but two of them are actually in Adventure in Space and Time. And... Um, Popular in the UK is uh, comedian Toby Haydock, who's done a lot of things related to Doctor Who. And uh, he's in it. Interestingly, he's the cameraman who who makes the snide remark about Warris Hussein. When Warris asks if it's hot in here, and the cameraman says, well, you think he'd be used to it. Mm. Mm. That's Toby Haydock. 
anyway, so and those are the cameos of which I'm aware. I think we may have mentioned this one, but in case we didn't, I'm going to mention that Nicholas Briggs was the voice of the Daleks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. That doesn't even seem like a, a cameo, but, yeah. um, but since he wasn't in Adventure in Space and Time, yeah, that's pretty cool. So kudos, as always, for Dave Cooper for sending in some... Much needed feedback because we always love hearing from you. And since... Cheers, Dave. Yes, indeed. So, gentlemen, I don't have any news, but I want to ask, do you? Do either of you have any news before we move on into the review? It's a it's a real minor thing, and uh, maybe I shouldn't bring it up because I'm not clear on the facts. Oh, dear. There's an actress who was in uh, Arachnids in the UK, and she went missing. So this is sort of Doctor Who tangent, but she was the uh, the arachnid specialist that they they went to see. But anyway, the uh, the actress she disappeared, and people were fearing the worst. But uh, she's turned up again in Los Angeles, safe and sound. That is so, interesting. Yeah, and it, it would be a lot more interesting if I could remember what her name was because that Tanya sure... Fear. Thank you. Yes. yes, that's right. That that last name. Yes. Did they say so, where she was? I don't know. The, the press release that I read said that uh, investigators were, were still looking into this. So, Interesting. Kudos. I'm not going to make any joke because I was going to say we didn't know where she was, but maybe we didn't know when she was. But mm-hmm. yeah, couldn't help yourself. Yeah. But, that, that was Agatha Christie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Couldn't help myself, you know, but I didn't do that. Thank goodness. Let's just say I am thankful that she is safe and sound and hope that she is good to go from this point forward. So anything else before we move on? Not really, but to say you can support the show by subscribing, leaving a review, and of course, telling a friend. If you have a review idea, please send that in along with anything else you want us to know to discussingwho at gmail.com or hit us up at Discussing Who on any and all social medias. Well, all I know is if I happen to forget or we happen to forget anything else on this podcast, it will be at the fault of someone other than us. If you have not seen The Crimson Horror, put us on pause, go out, watch the episode, come back, because from this moment forward, spoilers. Spoilers. Affirmative. Spoilers. Spoilers? What spoilers? And I killed Sparky, too. Alrighty, the spoiler warning has gone out, and we are back to review The Crimson Horror. This was the 11th episode of the 2012-2013 series of Doctor Who, first airing on the 4th of May, 2013. It starred Matt Smith as the 11th Doctor, Jenna Coleman as Clara Oswald, and sees the return of Neve McIntosh, Katrin Stewart, and Dan Starkey as Madame Vastra, Jenny, and Strax. It also features as astound It also features an astounding performance by Dame Diana Tell Cersei It Was Me, Rig. Summary View, Clarence Brown, I'll start with you. Summary View, what say ye? Shame. No, um, I didn't really love this episode. I love the characters we got in it to see them come back, uh, especially seeing Jenny in uh, Vastra. I love that. I love some of the performances I think were spot on, but I just really didn't love 
the story we got here um, felt kind of generic in some ways. They did a lot of cool stylized things in it as well, but ultimately I just don't think I really liked it. But hopefully by the end of this, you guys can change my point of view on that. Uh, it's just a genuinely scary story, isn't it? It's a, uh, I, I was surprised at sort of how, if, if not, if not frightening, a lot of it is just revolting. And since we had just reviewed Adventure in Space and Time, I kept thinking, what would Sidney Newman have thought of this? <laughs> you know, he who said, we want to scare the kids, not traumatize them. <laughs> um, I don't know. It, it is a real, a real horror story um, written by Mark Gatiss. It is. It's a mixed bag. I, 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 I kind of don't know what to think about it. But yeah, I think we can all agree. We love seeing the Paternoster gang back oh, again. Oh, yeah. Another story set in Victorian England, so uh, we get to have um, Strax and Vastra and Jenny. And, and for me, as a bonus, since a lifetime fan of uh, Dame Diana, to see her chewing up the scenery as the kind of melodrama villain that she would have been fighting on the Avengers. So uh, <laughs> I kept hoping she'd ultimately get her ass handed to her by Emma Peel. But, um, <laughs> but this is this is the more mature Dan Eric. Anyway, so yeah, I, I kind of... Uh, I... What, what 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 number of points am I going to give it when we get to the end? I don't know. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. But as usual, and for everyone listening, you know what I'm about to say next. If you've listened mm. to us for years, you know that I'm going to say, I'm somewhere in the middle of the two of you. Mm. I agree with both of you. I loved seeing Madame Bastra, Jenny, and Strax. I thought Diana Rigg did an awesome, awesome job. I like some elements of the story. I don't know if the fact that I'm seeing Vastra, Jenny, and Strax trumped or superseded or overpowered or whatever the word appropriate may be, I'm wondering if what we're seeing or what I saw was kind of made less by the fact of I was so focused on them, maybe? I'm not sure. Hmm. Interesting. But we can get into it. And the way we're going to get into it is first, I want to talk about Ada. Lee, I want to ask you, what did you think about her? And specifically, what did you think about her referencing the doctor as monster, even after she realizes he was not? Oh, I, I, that's one of the things about this that I really like is the, the subplot of, of Ada having rescued one of the the pilgrims and uh, that she's she's keeping him as her personal pet. Monster is the only name she has for him. I, 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 I thought that was I thought that was really sweet, very, very poignant. And 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 so I, I, I like that part of it. Um, how about you? Mm. You know, I I found it kind of creepy. To be honest well, with yes. you. It's extremely creepy. You know, even before I knew what Monster was and knew Monster was the doctor, the fact that she gave this thing, as she, you know, because I, I wasn't sure if she knew that they were people and or not, but the fact that she named him Monster just creeped me out. Clarence, what do you think? Almost wondering, did she have some type of psychic projection? Because when she touches them, they show like some flashes. 
So that's that that was part of my confusion on that character. Uh, I was left wondering was did she have some type of special ability, which maybe they hinted at. I'm not sure if I was just again mm. projecting on that. <laughs> yeah. Well, he he is a freak. He is the, he is the one who survived the the treatment that that paralyzes everybody else. So he is a, a monster, if you will. He's he's something completely unusual. Hmm. And and Matt Smith very much played it like Frankenstein. Yes, <laughs> which I loved actually. You know, I thought what I did find interesting about her was she is someone who cannot see. And maybe this was just, maybe irony is the right word here, but the one who could shed most light on what's going on to everybody else who's the other characters that she's coming in contact with is the one person who cannot see. And I'm not saying that someone who cannot see can't know what's going on around them. I just thought visually watching it from you know, as a TV show for 45 minutes, you know, I just found that quite interesting that the one who can't see can shed the most light. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it seemed like they were using her sort of like a, some type of, I don't know, prophet. It just seemed like they were using her in a weird way in the church as well. When she turned around, I wonder if they were trying to, again, imply if she had some type of other powers or something to that effect. Interesting. So I want to ask you, and Clarence, that was a perfect segue as we're talking to now, I want to switch to Mrs. Gillyflower, which of course is Dame Diana's character, and of course Ada's mother. And I should have probably asked this question beforehand or researched a little bit because I really don't know the answer. But considering the time period that this is set in, Victorian England, were women ministers in the sense of the way she was? Because I found that to be a little bit maybe out of place, but I'm curious, maybe it wasn't. Do either of you know? Yeah, there were certainly um, reform movements that were that were led by women and they got to be uh, they got to be in the pulpit like that. Um, not in an, in an organized religion though, you know? So what what you're seeing there is her in a church being a public speaker advancing a cause. Got you. Um, Not a per yeah. se, I am a minister right. of the Anglican Church, etc. and so forth. Right. Exactly. No. That that is still many years in the future, but yeah, she But yeah, that that's um well, I was going to say that that, that a, a suffragist meeting might have been like that, but they wouldn't have let her in the pulpit, but yeah. So something like that. Yeah, it's very funny. Like um <laughs> I would have questioned that maybe 30 years ago, but now it's just, I just thought it was normal and didn't even blink. (laughs) (laughs) So what did you, and Lee, I'll ask you this one first. What did you think of the character, Mrs. Gillyflower? Oh, she's um, another, um, one of these um, melodrama villains that uh, we get sometimes who's, uh, but she has this fascinating uh, thing that she is, committed to this this sacred cause and it really looks like she's making progress toward it it's going to happen and and the secret of mr sweet is genuinely fascinating uh and and then in the end it all comes crashing down and it's very much like um 
we saw another great actress do in a, another episode. And once again, I'm blanking on names. I'm getting too old for this, y'all. <laughs> yeah, let me um, guess. Let me guess. I know what you, I'm reading your thoughts. We're talking about yes. psychic projection. We are talking about the next doctor. And we are talking about um, the woman in the red dress with black hair. And she was the cyber controller that was riding aboard the mechanical huge cyberman am i correct nope oh um <laughs> well i read that one wrong there's a there's a nice nice try but uh, now i'm thinking about previously in this season and I'm, i was the one who who brought it up and for god's sake i just can't think of um it was i guess one of the first of the claras you know how hard it is to find anything about doctor who on the web because there's 50 plus years of anyway never mind sorry i brought it up <laughs> but <laughs> They had the great intelligence in it. And, oh, um, you're talking about Ian McKellen? And, and they, no, and they rode the motorcycle up the side of the shard. Oh. And, um, and that actress who I adore and whose name I can't remember now. And then when the intelligence left her, we found that she was a baby, yeah. basically. And so we had this sudden pivot for that actor that she was, we, we were all impressed by how she, she played that. And uh, We don't know that because the great intelligence doesn't want us to know that. I thought the same thing was happening here with Diana Rigg. I just thought that was that when the, to her being separated from Mr. Sweet, that uh, suddenly that character became very three-dimensional and serious. And uh, I thought that was, I thought that was brilliantly done by her. Not surprisingly, of course, because Diana Rigg is a, a, an accomplished classical performer to say the very least. So, so Clarence, what did you think of Mrs. Gilliflower? <laughs> Mrs. Gillyflower was so forgettable to me in the first half of this story. Um, other than, you know, I, I feel like she had a good performance, but when we finally see, see her turn it on at the end, when she's confronted by the doctor, to me, her performance just went to another stratosphere. And I was hooked, hooked so hard on, on what she was doing in those scenes. I just thought it was so good. And, and the way she portrayed, the performance just just really captured me, to be honest. And from that point, I was kind of glued to the television, even though I was, you know, paying attention the whole time. That just really struck me and and, and got me really interested in the character. Um, so, yeah, I just love the performance. I thought it was great. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just you got to give the hats off to this actor, what she did in, in, in this role. Uh, I just thought it was was grand. So. So as I'm asking the questions and I'm hearing the responses, and this is a perfect way to lead into my next question, you know, I feel like we're struggling to answer our questions about these characters to some degree. So that, again, is perfect for my next question, which is, did this episode feel like it went quickly and the action moved quickly. Do you feel like it was muddled or do you feel like it was slow? Or what are your thoughts? Lee, start with you on this one. What do you think? Do you, do you, uh, I, I thought it just, it, it barrels along. I, I never felt like uh, we were uh, dragging or, or wandering. Um, sometimes I thought it was, it, it's hard to figure out what the tone is because there's some cheap jokes in it. There's some, some real, you know, um, easy laughs 
but uh, then these moments of absolute horror. So, um, and and I and I know that is sort of a subgenre of itself is the the horror film that has uh, some uh, broad laughs in it. So um, I don't know. I, I felt like it it works very well for that. That it's it's a good forty five minutes of. Yeah, for me, I don't I don't feel like. It was slow, but I do feel like it lost me in some of the ways it was telling the story. We we get into the story up until the point we get to to see the doctor and then the doctor begins to give his explanation to Jenny. And at that point, we drop into this stylized flashback scene, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting, but it kind of took me out of the story because I was paying attention more to oh they're going to this old timey um what 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 the name the the pictures without sound (laughs) that that type of yeah silent movies there we go it it went to that type of style and you know it kind of threw me out of it so the the pacing of that may may be what you're talking about but i do agree that kind of threw me off even though i do feel like they were giving us a steady trove of information it just felt like some of the way they chose to to tell the story kind of threw me off a little bit. So here's where I was going with that. So for me, the inclusion of Vastra, Jenny, and Strax, while I loved them as characters and was 100% happy to see them, I wonder if the episode would have been stronger if we didn't have them. Case in point, we don't see Clara for a very big part of the story. Almost, I would say, half the story before we see her. It's it, true. It's, I think, 11 or 12 minutes into the story before we even see the Doctor in Doctor Who. Not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that's a thing. When you have that small of a one-episode story... I wonder if having the three of them in there took away and if we would have had more action by Clara if the horror aspect of this story would have been increased and maybe our enjoyment of the story because you could have had this story where Clara is trying to figure out what happened to the doctor. She's spazzing out or whatever the case may be. And she's the one that has to rescue him. And I think that might would have been a more captivating and horrific story than what we got. Thoughts? Were were they trying to establish the uh, uh, Vastrogenius Draxes for a spinoff or something in this episode? Because it seems like they did devote a lot of time to Maybe not so much even Vastra, but Jenny got a lot of screen time in this episode. I feel like, like you said, I feel like she may have been playing the role of Clara would have been playing by infiltrating this this facility, which we find out is the same thing that the doctor and Clara did, but it didn't turn out so well. So I don't know. I don't know. Oh, no, I really liked that. I, I like to. It is it is, um, you know, we've had Dr. Light stories and companion light stories. So um, I think this one is. um is just another Clara light story. We're, we're worried about her. We wonder where she is. And uh, for the first, you know, quarter of the show, we're worried about <laughs> where's the doctor. <laughs> um, and, and why have we seen his, uh, his image burned into somebody's eye? Yeah. Um, we we want to get to the, get to the heart of that. We know he's around there somewhere. 
So, um, I don't know. I, th- this is one of the things I really liked about it is that they just sort of hunkered down and said, no, this is a story that's going to be largely about Jenny. Mm. And, um, so mm. I don't know. It, I like that. And they kind of pulled, um, this had me confused because the way Jenny was talking about Clara's dad, it was kind of was a double meaning. Cause I was thinking, Oh, I guess she did get sucked into the vat and converted to the statue. So she's dead, but she was never talking about that. She was talking about right. the old Clara. So yes. it took, it took me several minutes to realize that what she was talking about. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty great though, isn't it? Now we know where we are in, in their timeline. Yeah. This, this is after the Christmas special. Yes. <laughs> so let me ask but, you guys this, speaking of that, what did you guys think that about or was it inconsequential? But what did you think about the doctor not verifying to them that this wasn't the same Clara? Well, I feel like he doesn't have time. I mean, he's, he's got he's got another crisis on his hands. You know, they're having those conversations literally while they're running around inside the complex. So, you know, it, it, it seemed credible to me that he is not going to explain this. Not right now. <laughs> Good point. Good point. So let's talk real quick about Mr. Sweet, if you don't mind. What did you think of the creepy lobster monster? And if you have a better description, please share. He's mm. a leech. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah, I, I guess I kind of loved how they talked about him as some mysterious man pulling the strings it reminded me a lot of mr wilford on snowpiercer <laughs> you know this guy we're going to keep talking about but yeah as far as what he was in reality uh, i don't know it reminded me of that um it's a tng episode where these worms are controlling oh. everything <laughs> yes that's right um yeah um <laughs> yeah i I, I because I knew it was coming because I've seen the episode before. I don't I don't know if I had an honest reaction, but I I remember the first time being disappointed, just sort of thinking, "That's Mr. Sweet." Okay, <laughs> oh, Mr. Sweet, I mean, so sweet. I, <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of the. Well, she calls him. Uh, she calls it symbiosis, but it's it's not. He's a parasite. Um, well, she says that she she does get something from him, but. What? Um, yeah, I, I wasn't wasn't clear on <laughs> maybe what what she gets from him is the impression that she gets something from him. <laughs> um, it's yeah, I don't buy it anyway. Um, so so that was disappointing. Was was he attempting to terraform Earth? I'm trying to. I'm a little unclear on what the whole shoot gas in the air was doing. That's true. What was the point of all this? <laughs> I, I thought it's funny to be uh, <laughs> it's funny to be unclear on that at this point. But yeah, I thought that the idea was to eradicate everyone. Maybe to what end? I, th- that's that's <laughs> the that's the point. There, there is no point there. I mean, like to what end? Because yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, I don't understand. That's my point. Yeah. I don't know. I'm don't there know. with you. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Mm. So what about the, 
idea that we first hear that Ada has lost her sight because of her father, and then it's revealed that it was actually the mother. Is Ada really good, or is she her mother's daughter? Thoughts? Oh, I... I, The the kind of abuse that she's suffered, I I feel like it gives her a... uh, a lot of latitude. I mean, I don't think anybody cries when she uh, she uh, crushes Mister Sweet with her cane. <laughs> um, you know, it's like good. Somebody yeah. somebody needed to do that. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's I I I I don't see her as being bad really in any way, shape, or form, apart from you know what she is. What she uh, feels she has to do in this, um, um, I just don't have language tonight. Um, the, this this terrible relationship with her mother. Now, do we know if Mrs. Gillyflower? Do we know how much control she had while under the influence of Mister Sweet? Was she fully under his uh, doing his bidding? I uh, don't think so. I think she was just a stone cold, evil, maniacal, controlling matriarch. How about that? Yeah, you're probably uh, right. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, well, I've I've pulled up the uh, the relevant uh, sequence here on the the transcript, and she um she describes him as being a. Um, uh, a survivor, she says, Mr. Sweet. He's grown fat on the filth humanity has pumped into the rivers. That's where I found him. So he's kind of a, a monster created by pollution. Um, and um, which, yes, was definitely a problem in the, the, the rivers of England, even in the Victorian era. His needs are simple. And in return, he gives me his nectar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he, he's he's doing some kind of a chemical exchange with her, which is probably really badly distorting her uh, understanding of the world and how it works. Uh, So who knows what she was like before. Um, I do love this line where the doctor says, uh, in the wrong hands, that venom could wipe out all life on the planet. And she says, do you know what these are? Oh, the wrong hands. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) What a great line. But but we want to go to, is he controlling her? Since you've got the lines up, Lee, Fast forward your reading to the scene where she's fallen and she's dying. And there's something that she says, and I don't remember exactly what it was, that she says to Ada. Oh, well, yeah. Um, Good point. Um, She says, uh, no, Mr. Sweet, where are you going? You can't leave me now, Mr. Sweet. Um, And then she says, Ada, Ada, are you there? Forgive me, my child. Forgive mm-hmm. me. And Ada says, never. And Mrs. Gillyflower says, that's my girl. Oh, jeez. So I say that that's why I say she was what she was. I don't think he was controlling her. Yeah, I think you're right. Because, um, yeah, it sounds like she, she and Ada have had this... Um, codependent that's the phrase i was looking for earlier they've had this weird codependency going probably since ada was born she's taught her to to be harsh and unforgiving 
and Ada has actually somehow managed to outgrow that. So three cheers for her. Hmm. Cool. Okay. So let's fast forward to the end. And honestly, this is something, believe it or not, that I had completely one billion percent forgotten about. The fact that the children or the teen, <laughs> teenagers that uh, Clara's babysitting or being a nanny for actually out her as being a time traveler, I had completely <laughs> forgotten about that. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. That was so good. Yeah. That was the highlight, so honestly, good. of the episode for me because it was like, wow, I forgot about this. Yeah, I definitely was smiling by the end of the episode. That that really got me. <laughs> These are some very smart kids, apparently, to yes. be able to um, uh, <laughs> search the internet, the vast, vast internet or school, I guess they said in this instance, for the pictures. And yeah, I just thought that was very fascinating. Though probably highly unlikely that they'd be able to do that, but yeah. But maybe we'll find out next well, episode why they did it. I thought your, yeah. I thought the exact same thing, Clarence. It was like, what made them do this? That that's not likely. That they're like, let's go look in old pictures and see if we can find our nanny. Yeah, but all you had to do was see one, and then it would start leading you to the others, right? Mm, yeah. You you could do reverse image search by this time, <laughs> couldn't you? I think yeah, this is 2013. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, they're gonna get a good, uh, good blow up there of uh, Jenny's of uh, Clara's features, and uh, yeah. And he so, found a picture she can't, he doesn't recognize. That's yes, not me. I've right. never been there. Yes, right. Um, though, so the plot thickens for her too. Yeah, this though, made me think of the of the chap in uh, in Rose. Yeah, Clive. Yeah, yeah, Clive has been, uh, he's got a million pictures of the doctor. Curiously, they're all of the ninth doctor, but yeah. But how would he know that the doctor ever looks like anybody else? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And that actually made me kind of remember the next episode, which I remember being good. So I'm excited to talk Ooh. about that one, mm. I think. Mm. Awesome. Awesome. So that, that was like a real, real highlight for me, like I just said. Well, let, let me ask you guys this. So... I don't remember the doctor having a conversation about Clara to um, Jenny Strax and Vastra. Um, they mentioned it, but I don't think he ever explains. So is that the whole point of coming to this time period to test, to see what they thought of what Ooh. Clara was? Very good hmm. question. Yeah. Because he he's trying to go to London and he ends up in Yorkshire instead. So, hmm. maybe hmm. maybe you know, kind of foreshadowing here, but maybe we needed to, in the greater scheme of things, to explain there was something going on with Clara. I mean, yeah, that there was something going on with Clara beyond her falling to her death. Because what if? the three of them, Vastra, Jenny, and Strax, see Clara again. Maybe you don't want to spend a couple of minutes explaining what we were explained or not, you know, talked about in this episode. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe. I see that. So, But, but yeah, I, I thought the same thing. Absolutely. 
So, gentlemen, before we move on to our favorite scene and favorite quote, do either of you have any other things that you have on your list that we've not talked about? Oh, I have a few. <laughs> oh, please share. Um, as a Sherlock Holmes fan, I always love when uh, Madame Vastra is playing Sherlock Holmes, or as I guess we've established that there's Sherlock Holmes is fictional, Madame Vastra is real, and uh, the Sherlock Holmes stories are actually about her. So in Sherlock Holmes stories, there's always the sitting room scenario where somebody has come to, to sit down with Holmes in his place and to tell them what their problem is. We've seen Madame Vastra's equivalent of the sitting room before, and for some reason, it had never registered with me before. The Victorians loved their 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 plants. If they could have a a greenhouse, uh, and the arboretum, you know, into inside or attached to the house, then then they would. So I just sort of thought she's gone all out with it, but this time it finally hit me. It's a jungle. It's a it's a Silurian jungle. <laughs> she's. She's her comfortable place is the is like the earth was 65 million years ago, of course. Yeah. And I I'd never thought about that before, but that's a very lovely, you know, it's just sort of in the background and not explained, but it makes perfect sense. Of course she'd like it like that. Um the pilgrims, you know, when um Madame Gillyflower is giving her her talk, they sing part of the uh the hymn Jerusalem, which is um Something that's always fascinated me that uh, Britain sort of clamped onto this song, um, which is related to this story that Jesus visited Britain, <laughs> and it's just it, it's just sort of a fascinating whole thing. So I'm always glad whenever I hear people singing Jerusalem. Anyway, there they were. Um, Jenny, or no, yeah, Jenny asks uh, if uh, the doctors ever. Uh, spent a lot of time with uh, any one companion or has ever gotten stuck like this before. And uh, he says, uh, no, it is Clara. She says, you make a habit of this getting lost. He says, oh, no, it's better than it used to be. Once I spent a hell of a long time trying to get a gobby Australian to Heathrow Airport. Um, so fans of the classic series appreciate the shout out to Teague and Joe Vanka there, who he calls a gobby Australian. Mm. Um, just means she's got a mouth on her. Um... Thomas Thomas. Yeah, oh, yes. oh my God. Uh, <laughs> Where did that come so, from? So <laughs> talk about the, so talk about the cheap laughs. And there's the the, the chap who faints three times. Um that's a that's a very broad humor as well. But uh I don't know. Is is the Tom Tom joke is that is that just way over the top or it is. <laughs> But and, it worked and, with Strax. We've just had Strax threatening to 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 kill the horse, and part of and he's expecting the horse. He asks the horse if it has any last words, and mm. then sort of says to himself, "I'm not even hungry." Mm. So apparently, he's he's killed several of their horses already and eaten them. <laughs> oh Lord! So, but you gotta love Strax. So, I, I do love Strax. I know, yeah. but I'm just and, saying. And I love the you. fact that just for once, he gets to get cut loose with his gun inside the uh, the factories, <laughs> and he is he is having a ball. Tone <laughs> <laughs> it down. You wait outside. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Strax <laughs> has to has to rein him in, but uh, yeah. So so the whole thing is silly, but then here's a kid who who gives him directions like a Tom Tom. And his name is Thomas Thomas. Yeah. Uh, and I wonder if that's I, even dated at this point. Like, 
do kids now even know what Tom Tom is? I didn't remember I what Tom Tom was at first. Yeah. Um, no, I have a Garmin device in my car, and somebody recently, you know, got in my car and said, "You've still got one of these." <laughs> so, so you know, even those are. Uh, I guess it, it it all gets supplanted by something else as time goes by. Mm. Um, I thought it interesting that Mrs. Gillyflower's machine, the control machine for the rocket, that it looks like the Babbage Difference Engine which we will see in another episode later. Um, mm. But it's like, wait, that looks like a Victorian computer. Oh, well, of course it is. <laughs> yeah, okay, all right, carry on. <laughs> mm. That setup reminded me of the episode, what's the episode with the flying sharks? Uh, a Christmas in, in Carol. The, yeah, and the uh-huh. Oregon. It, it reminded yeah. me of the set for the Oregon, kind of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. A lot of cool callbacks. It, it, yeah, yeah. Or flash forwards, however, whichever way you want Whatever, to go. Whatever, yeah. Right. So are we ready for our favorite scene? I think so. All right. Lee Shackelford, I'm going to start this time with Clarence Brown. Clarence Brown, what is your favorite scene? Hmm. Uh, I don't know about favorite, but... Uh, again, like uh, any scene where Matt Smith was playing the Frankenstein walk, I loved all of that. That just had me cracking up. So just, just his portrayal of monster, I thought was was really fun. And then he kisses he kisses Jenny, which I was mad about, but you know. <laughs> so he kisses Jenny, and he kisses um later he kisses Jenna Coleman on the forehead. So yeah, um, I'm not salty. Yeah. Oh, did, yes, he did. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. The doctor, they get around. There you go. Mm. <laughs> All right. Favorite scene, Mr. Shackelford? Uh, I guess pretty much the same thing. I, I loved, um, I guess this is also silly, but I loved uh, uh, Jenny rescuing the, the, the monster and um, giving him his clothes and putting him inside one of the, the lockers with his screwdriver. Um, we don't quite know how that um, saves him, but uh, it does, and he gets dressed in the process. So, cool. And yeah, I was fascinated by the kiss and the fact that she slaps him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, she, she's a married woman. I mean, there you go. <laughs> he should have known better. So, yeah. All right. So, my favorite scene also includes my favorite quote, and it, of course, includes my three favorite characters minus the doctor of the episode. And it starts with Madame Vastra saying, according to my research, Sweetfield's proprietor holds recruitment drives for her little community. She's only interested in the fittest and the most beautiful. Strax then replies, you may rely on me, ma'am. Madame Vastra says, I was in fact speaking to Jenny. Strax says, (laughs) Jenny, if this weak and fleshy boy is to represent us, I strongly advise the issuing of scissor grenades, limbo vapors, and triple blast brain splitters. Madame Pastor (laughs) says, what for? Strax says, just generally, remember, we are going to the north. So my favorite scene was that. My favorite quote was, just generally, remember, we are going to the north. <laughs> to the north. <laughs> yes. And think about Lots it. Planets have a north. This is right about the time Game of Thrones is hot, hot, hot property. 
And, you know, they're always talking about, you know, the, the North and the North and the North. So there you go. Yes. All right. Faith. And, and, you know, there is the cultural, um, we, we have the reverse of the U of, uh, England situation is that the, uh, uh, it's like, uh, when in the U S we, we talk about people down South. So in the UK, it's people up North. Bless them people down so, south. Bless exactly. So that's what Strax is saying is we're we're going down south. <laughs> so yeah, we're gonna need the guns. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah. so favorite quote, Mr. Shackelford. What say you? I'm the doctor, you're nuts, and I'm gonna stop you. <laughs> cool. <laughs> what a great line. <laughs> Mr. Brown, what about you? Uh, when Jenny is talking to the doctor and they're talking about preserving the people and, and I think she says, preserve for what? And he's like, according to her, the oncoming apocalypse. Whew, whew. He makes a little noise like um, like cooing, like she's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I laughed on that. One. <laughs> cool. So, so, so we like the characterization of Gilly Flowers being nuts. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so final rating. And you know what? I'm going to start with Clarence because the first name begins with a C, so it comes before L. So you first. Sure. Yeah, by that logic, yes. Um, I think I'm gonna go to three point one. I, uh, I don't think I'll be revisiting this one anytime soon. But it has so much good, so many good things about it. I don't know. I like like Lee mentioned up top. I'm just kind of torn about it. I had fun ultimately by the end, but yeah. Mm. All right. Lee Shackelford, what say you? I'm giving it three Victorian rockets out of five. Ooh, we didn't <laughs> say what you had, uh, yeah. uh, Clarence. 3.1 what? Uh, I don't know. Um, alien worm thingies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Uh, so we've got a 3.1, a 3, and mm -hmm. I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a 3 as well. No, 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 no. I'm going to give it a 3.11 for, what? <laughs> okay, bear with me, 3.11, it's coming to me, hold on. I don't have it, have it yet. 3.1 mysterious photos from the past because I got to see Madam Strax. Madam <laughs> Strax. That would be funny. Madam Vastra Strax and Jenny. There you go. This, this, this whole episode kind of fried my brain. There you go. Oh, indeed. Indeed. So we've got our final rating. So that means I have one final question and Lee I'm going to start with you what have Ooh. you been watching reading listening to or where else could you be found on the internet well um, we talk about Oz 9 all the time here and um, so we know that we have uh, led some discussing who fans over to that uh, silly show um, I will uh, encourage people to go listen if they haven't already to uh, an episode out of the season um, I volunteered to write one and, um, 
I wrote it and produced it and talked Clarence into being. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, it's something else. Um, Rated R. (laughs) Indeed. And so, anyway... So that's that's one place you can one place that's got my fingerprints on it is the bonus episode of Oz Nine that is in your in the queue now and immediately. Awesome, Clarence Brown. What about you? I will second what Lee said. I got the chance to live out my lifelong dream of being an alien. So um, yeah, definitely check out the bonus episode of Oz Nine where I get to play a very interesting character. Indeed. So I will just follow up what the two of you said and tell everyone listening, because you've listened to it before, you already know, but it's worth repeating again. That's oz-9.com, oz9.com, where you can find also, when he's not out for treats, you can find Lee Shackelford as well, playing Pluto on Oz9. And as well as me playing narrator number two. So, Oz9.com. And for everyone listening, thank you for listening. Lee, what do you like to say about people who listen? We love them. And you didn't have to do this. Indeed, but you did. We appreciate it. And as always, we will be back next time. You've been listening to The Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com.